Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. I'm excited about my guest. This is a look into the big picture of what's happening in cannabis, and it's ongoing, and it's been going, and I want to bring it to light with, with someone who's doing it better than anyone. My next guest is a passionate innovator and product developer, and that's been his past and his history. With over a decade of experience across, you know, how he control consumable products like adult beverage and cannabis. His past, he spent time in Molson beer. He's got a lot of cannabis experience when you talk about coming to where he's at today with three years experience at Canopy Growth, right? So my guest today, and welcome please to Plant Profits, Paul Weaver, head of cannabis at the Boston Beer Company. Paul, how are you, man? How's it going, Burr? Good seeing you. Great. Good to see you. Good to see you. You know, when you got placed, I remember when your announcement came out that you were going to be doing what you're doing, and we'll get into exactly what you're doing uh, today in the chat. But I was so excited because we got a large player but an amazing brand, a brand that is built on how it's made, right, uh, coming into uh, the cannabis arena, someone that has the beer experience and the cannabis experience. When you came to Boston Beer, three years in cannabis is 30 years. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's really been a match made in heaven. You know, we yeah. set up this, uh, so Boston Beer Company, as you mentioned, Burns, it's got yeah. hit makers in the beverage alcohol space. Yeah, started with Sammy Adams in the Hades and that's right. Usher in and kind of uh, mature the craft beer movement in the eighties. You did, uh, but we didn't stop there. We launched Twisted Tea, which right. uh, is now a top ten beer, like beer or animated. Yeah, uh, Truly Hard Seltzer and Angry Orchard Cider. So like four really big, um, unique opportunities in the beverage alcohol space. We also have craft beer brands like Dogfish Head. Yeah, you just bought them a couple City. years ago. Yeah, uh, Coney, Coney Island out in uh, in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I was brought on to develop a, an R&D department. Tell me about those conversations. Tell me about how this thing got kicked off and, and why Boston Beer. Did they reach out to you or did you go to them with an idea? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. You know, I had, um, when I left Canopy Growth Corporation, yeah. uh, I just really knew I wanted to focus my career on cannabis beverages. That, to me, is the future of the industry and the future of normalizing the category. And... Uh, I've always been a passionate fan of all mm -hmm. Monster Beer's products. My first legal beer when I was 21 was a Sam Adams mixer pack my uncle gave me and my family's from Boston originally. Yeah. Actually, my dad's side's from Texas, for him, uh, <laughs> but my mom's side's from Boston. So I, I knew I really wanted to try and meet the team from Boston Beer and see if there was a fit. And I had a chance to have a conversation with uh, Dave Berwick, their CEO, and, and Robert Vale, their head of innovation. And lo and behold, they have been kicking the tires on getting into okay. this as well. And I think it was just a match made in heaven. You know, the, they have been thinking about entering the cannabis space mm -hmm. in Canada. And here I am, you know, a dual citizen living in Canada, passionate about beer, passionate about cannabis, and let's just do it. So, yeah, the, that's the, great. It's really aligned. We put all put the pieces together. 
And that was uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. slowly we've been establishing the foundations of our R&D capabilities here in Canada, where cannabis is unequivocally legal. Uh, and we're developing best-in-class drinks up here in Canada for- Lud, that's great. You, you, you know, you said something. You, you said you believe beer or drinks, specifically drinks, uh, is a way of normalizing the consumption of of cannabis. Yeah, so talk to me about that because I'm in agreement. I think beer is just a natural way of addressing uh, normalization of the product, and I think that why well, it's less than two percent of the category now, uh, but it it has this huge opportunity and how we're going to break through. So talk to us about that a little bit. I mean, where to begin? You know, I think yeah. First, like let's just think about the practical realities of consuming cannabis and inhalation and smoking, mm-hmm. even in like lower temperature vape settings. Yeah. I don't know. Personally, I just don't really like inhaling things. I don't like smoking. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I'm a cannabis consumer for a long time and smoking mm-hmm. joints is kind of the status quo, but I would prefer probably to smoke less weed and consume it in other ways. So mm-hmm. I think there's there's a trend towards more uh, healthy alternatives to consuming cannabis and edibles is one way, but you know, drinks yeah. is another. But then when we think about the, the platform of beverages, drinks are far more social. You know, cannabis drinks are five times more likely to be consumed in a group of five or more people, right? Like yeah. in your group setting with your friends, with your family out and uh, in the open, you're not kind of stepping away from the group for uh, kind of a lonely joint outside, or you're not having to disrupt the party by lighting up and smoking out the whole room, you are able right. to the group occasion, whether you're a cannabis consumer or not. And I think that's that's all we can ask for is just normalizing consumption. If you want to be in the party and drink a beer, you want to be in the party, you want to drink mm-hmm. a cannabis beverage, like all can be welcome. And that's what I really like about cannabis drinks is it's just so inclusive, it's so social, and it really just normalizes it so it's just not a thing. It's just, it's whatever you want to do, man. It doesn't have to be... <laughs> disruptive it's just your personal choice within the same group setting so i think it's it's both the realities of maybe we should all be smoking less and yeah for what better alternatives to consuming cannabis and yeah. just drinks and sharing a drink and sharing a, a toast with someone these are all standard social uh norms so yeah i think, I think that's a great point the socialization factor of liquid is is a big deal and in, into this and i i i i I see that, you know, the first hurdle in liquid is obviously you want to be able to, there's a couple of hurdles. You got to be able to control the dosage and understand and labelize it and make sure that people are buying what they are buying is real. Uh, that's important. The other thing is it's got to taste good. And that's been a big hurdle. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of liquid out there that doesn't taste very well. Well, I mean, you know, Vern. Yeah. That's, that's what's awesome about working with Boston Beer, right? To yeah. do this with... Um, there's no like mystery around the success of our company. Our company is successful because we make super awesome, kick-ass tasting drinks. And, and you, you we have, do. We have an R&D department that's mm-hmm. world-class. And to be able to tap into those resources, to tap into their skills and tools, to elevate the taste profile of our drinks. Right now, we have a beverage in Canada that's called Teapot. Teapot is a cannabis-infused iced tea. Right. And Teapot has no cannabis taste, has no cannabis aroma. It has perfect liquid stability. It is 
what I believe the new benchmark for liquid quality in cannabis drinks because mm-hmm. it's standing on the shoulders of years of cannabis science mixed mm-hmm. with you know decades of R&D experience that Boston Beer's built, mm-hmm. uh, particularly around twisted tea and how we make a great tasting uh, mm-hmm. iced tea. So you know I think it's it's the maturity of beverage alcohol R&D meets mm-hmm. kind of the ongoing R&D development of cannabis liquid technology. And that's where we're at. Why did we choose tea to be the first product? Well, I mean, I, it's a very popular flavor right now. You know, Twisted Tea right. in particular is a top 10 selling beer and it's on, it's our best selling drink right now. So I think in terms of just data pointing to what consumers like, tea is, okay. is easy to easy to work with. And we know from an R&D lens how to make tea. But cannabis and tea have this really kind of interesting nuance. You know, one of the right. things that we struggle with, especially with us trying to introduce cannabis to new consumers, is this notion that there's a right pot for the right occasion. You know, like choose your mm-hmm. pot for what you're trying to uh, to go for. And that can get really confusing and that can get really uh, mired in different vernacular. But tea is the same thing. You know, there's daytime teas, nighttime teas, good morning teas, mm-hmm. sleepy time teas. And so we really like this parallel of pairing the right tea with the right pot for the right occasion. Uh, our first liquid's called a good day iced tea and it's a lemon black tea. And we mm-hmm. infuse it with a strain called Pedro's Sweet Sativa, a nice uplifting sativa strain. It's very popular here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to kind of educate time of day through tea. Uh, we have a good evening iced tea that's coming out later this year. That's a blueberry chamomile and a yeah. strain called Black Sugar Rose, which is a nice relaxing indica. Nice. And it's really, it's those two parallels, right? Yeah. Tea, it, we're already kind of attuned to tea as a, uh, a time of day ritual. Cannabis, for those that are experienced, know it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of putting those two worlds together with teapot. Well, you're talking to a very uh, uh, highly uh, educated tea consumer. I love tea. And I'm drinking tea right now as we do this. And um, I, I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. And, uh, I, I, and I asked a question of why, because I, I see that Tea is a very, uh, it's a drink that can be flexible, right? Well, well, and, and I mean, I, I grew up in Arizona and for me, tea is unsweetened, cold, yeah. you know, brewed iced tea, but you know, right. I don't know, t- Texas is probably the line there, but once you start getting into the South, it's sweet tea. Yeah. Uh, you have kind of the different ways that it comes to life. No, but Texas is a sweet tea place. It's a sweet yeah. tea place. It's right? a sweet yeah. tea place. So you kind of have those two worlds there. Yeah. Uh, then you have hot tea. So I, you know, that there's also caffeine in tea, you know, and I think there's some natural, like chemically proven uplifting effects of tea. It's not just kind of semionics and aromatics. It's like there's caffeine in tea in some yes. cases. There's no caffeine in other teas. So That's right. we also get to to play on the functional benefits of tea. So yeah, no, I love tea as a platform. I love teapot as uh, a cheeky brand name to communicate a very simple idea of the right tea and the right pot for the right occasion. Oh, I love that. That's perfect name. I tell you what, Paul, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to dive into more about Teapot and what you're doing at the Boston Beer Company. My guest today is Mr. Paul Weaver. He's head of cannabis at the Boston Beer Company. I want to thank all of you for joining us here on Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. Thank you. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. 
Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm Byrne Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, and we've been having a wonderful conversation with Mr. Paul Weaver. Paul is head of cannabis at the Boston Beer Company. Now, Paul, when I was really looking at, you know, when you confirmed you're going to be a guest, and I started looking at the product and what you guys were doing, obviously the first thing I did is I went to the Boston Beer Company website. Okay. Bossbeer.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe it's due for an upgrade. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I didn't see, you know, I didn't easily, yeah, I didn't easily find T-Putt, right? I didn't, I, I didn't see it. So, you know, uh, with my advanced uh, search skills, I said, well, let's just put in T-Putt. And see what I get, and 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 obviously I start to look, and I, I find it because on your your Boston Beer has a wonderful uh, website because it it lists all the hits: Sam Adams, Truly, Twisted Tea, Dogfish Head, all the hits. Man, you got them. the portfolio is amazing. And I said, well, okay, why why isn't it there? So so let's just take a half step back and just tell everyone why we're in Canada first. Yeah, no, it's a great question, as far as kind of our broader strategy what we're in the cannabis space for the long term yeah what that means is we're we're committed to developing the right product and letting our product start to speak for itself the u.s market though has Mm -hmm. lots of legal firewalls and those that are willing to participate in the u.s cannabis industry are doing so kind of in that ultra gray area right between state law federal law Mm-hmm. And the more ingrained your business is in kind of old institutions like the New York Stock Exchange or traditional banking or, you know, long-standing shareholders that have certain principles, these are all things that cause companies like us to say, you know, the U.S. market just doesn't have the legal conditions or the business conditions that make sense for us. Canada, however, uh, in 2018, legalized cannabis at the federal level. Right. There is... Uh, no national no asterisks no yeah yeah this is a federal or provincial mm-hmm. canada has legal cannabis it's done mm-hmm. right and what that allows companies like boston beer to do is set up an r&d hub as a subsidiary of our parent company and start getting to work you know let's start working on what our products would look like what our recipes would look like mm-hmm. and it's not just the liquid itself but it's also like how we manufacture it how we do it at scale how we do it in a more cost-effective manner, how we manage our uh, budgets, how we kind of build a business that's a little bit more rock solid so that when we do enter the U.S. market, we're a well-oiled machine that we can slide yeah. right into the beast that is Boston beer. So yeah, you won't see us you know, too overt in terms of our kind of U.S. presence because we're in, as far as the U.S. goes, we're an alcohol company. Yeah. And in Canada, we are uh, a cannabis R&D department that's preparing a product portfolio for when we can enter the U.S. market, whenever that is. And uh, we like what we're up to so far. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback on a uh, product of drinks. And uh, yeah, we're, we're really just uh, trying to keep our heads down and, and start getting to work up here in Canada. Yes, the rehearsal for the big show. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> the recon, the recon mission, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's great, though. You, you're, you're practicing. What a great, uh, a great place for you to be because I've never seen Boston Beer rush anything. And well, it, 
it, it, you know, I, the more that I learn as an employee of the company, the more you learn that mm-hmm. all of our hits went through lots of slow burn, you know, like yeah. truly was used to be called truly spiked and sparkling and it was in a clear bottle. It wasn't the kind of polished up brand that it was now. Adrian Archon had a different name. Twisted Tea had a different name. Everything kind of took time to refine the 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 product image, but at its core was always a great tasting liquid. And I think that's what we're often it is like the branding, the, the marketing laws, the logos, all this stuff is going to continue to evolve. But at its core, everything at Boston Beer makes starts with a great tasting. Yeah, no, that's that, that is uh, that is that is so true, Paul. That is uh, definitely so true. You, you said something that we should we we need to address. You said that we were waiting on the right time. Look, a national, federal legalization of cannabis in the U.S. I, I don't know if that's you know a short term reality for us. So. And and you said something you nuanced the the answer and you said that that you really were waiting for the right time because you you can't be waiting for us to go fully federally legal. So how do you make that decision as more markets become open markets for legalized uh, adult use cannabis? When is the right time for you to get into you know the largest cannabis market? in the world. So how does that, how are you making that yeah. decision? Well, there, it's, I mean, I mean, this is a billion dollar question for, for an entire industry. And I think one of the things that, yeah. so first like the, there are some like black and white issues with us entering U.S. cannabis, particularly around our uh, financial relationships, around our banking, around our stock exchange listing mm-hmm. and jeopardizing kind of our core business of alcohol. And I think first step is if we were to enter the U.S. market, how would that affect our core business that our shareholders rely on? And if the answer is, you know, any risk whatsoever, we would not do. So let's assume that we pass that risk. Let's say there's some mm-hmm. rescheduling event or some uh, broad uh, precedent being set across uh, our peers around New York Stock Exchange or uh, banking or insurance providers or whatever. Let's say the legal requirements. And financial implications have all been cleared, and we've we've now found a pathway that allows us to enter. Well, so too would that pathway be for the entire Fortune 500, <laughs> and there could be you know a flood of uh, irrational uh, knee-jerk reactions to that. We're a patient company. We're a mm-hmm. U.S.-based company. We're also a Boston-based company, and yeah. so for us, first checkbox. Are we like compromising our core business by entering? Let's assume that we checked that box and the answer is no. Then it's mm-hmm. where and when. What's the right time and what's the right market for us to yes. enter? Because we don't need to be first to market. I think one of the things that we've learned, I've been in this industry a while, Vern, so have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just saw the last couple of weeks, you know, like Kiraleaf pulled out of California, yeah. Colorado. These are established mm-hmm. markets. And I think first mover advantage. And, you know, I used to work at Canopy Growth Corporation here in Canada. Mm-hmm. First mover advantage in cannabis might not be all it was cracked up to be in terms of establishing, you know, early market share. I think what it allows us first mover really just teaches everyone yeah. the right ways to do things. So I think mm-hmm. I think the first step is what's the legal fr- framework for us to enter that we don't compromise our business, yeah. and then you know how do we time our market entry correctly so that we're not 
the first one through the door that's getting roughed up, but we're also not too late to the party. So I think it's, I know I didn't really answer the question because there's no specifics to it, but I do think you have to divide about, it's not just, yes, we can. It's also, should we and when and where? Mm-hmm. Well, what what you really said is that when we enter, we have one shot to be successful. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I wouldn't say that. I think, you know, when we enter, we just don't have to be so impulsive or rushed to be mm-hmm. first to market. I think oh, that's, I totally. That's the totally lesson, lesson that I think I've learned over the last, you know, five years in the industry is first to market is 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 not as necessary as, you know, doing it right and doing it with the right product and being, yeah. you know, very consistent in your product experience. Absolutely. So tell me about the success of Teapot in Canada. Yeah, well, we just, you know, it was a slow burn last year. It was, we kind of announced the brand, mm-hmm. highlighted it in a few kind of middle of nowhere provinces. Uh, no offense to our friends in Saskatchewan or Manitoba, but we <laughs> did get the product in uh, in a few stores there, just to get some early feedback. And yeah. it was phenomenal. We really liked what we were hearing, particularly okay. our credentials coming in and getting those listings by saying, you know, we're not just some startup cannabis company. You know, we're a 40-year-old beverage connoisseur coming mm-hmm. into the cannabis space. Uh, and the taste is just amazing. I think that's the thing that's that we're hearing but most importantly is that our product taste is uh, is just uh, exceptional. And I think we're, we're really leaning in on that. Uh, and I think um, that's the reason why it was just named uh, the best new cannabis drink of 2023. Mm. So the idea of actually having mm. a little bit of um, recognition for what we think is a best-in-class product is 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 fantastic um and we've got a lot of exciting promotions throughout 2023 more flavors coming uh, mm. new market so it's nice it's gonna be an exciting year for teapot but last mm. year was kind of that startup foundational year and uh we really liked what we saw well that's great you know that's what i love about tea flavors is a friend right uh you yeah it's it's really and people consumers are so accustomed to getting varieties of tea and they're they're expecting it, and you just have to hit it right. You just have to have your research and make sure that you get the taste right, taste profile right, the usage reasons right, all those things which you'll do because you're in the right place. You're with Boston Beer Company. That's what you guys do. You get those things right. And I, I think really awesome. I wanna. Well, why don't you show us uh, um, the product? Well, my my display here. Yeah. So this is how it shows up in a store. So when okay. you're in any dispensary, you've got these nice little displays. What do you put that? Dis- what do you want that little well, display? I mean, this is this is the funny thing about what we've learned, right? Like yeah. every dispensary, whether it's Apothecarium, yeah. Hugh Smoke, yeah. uh, you know, Hanna Cabana, uh, Superette, every cannabis retailer uh, yeah. has a beautiful aesthetic that's uniquely their own engaged staff that's teaching certain ways about the category, but they're all different kind of educational tools, right? Some right. are like, go over here for uppers, go over here for the relaxers, go over here for sleep. You know, some it's just, here's our drink aisle, here's our edible aisle. Right. You can't create a big mass hope that it'll slide into retailers' models perfectly. You have to be really flexible. This little I'm a little fuck here works everywhere. It works in a retailer that has a small independent shop. It works in a key account that's got a chain and they've got a model that works. We love that we can just slide this tray here right. to anything and just put, put our can on top. And it allows us to 
be a consistent brand experience in every retailer, regardless of how that retailer chooses to brand and design their store. No, it's great. I love that. I love the display piece. It is very flexible and it doesn't take a lot of space, which that's always the the pushback on things like that is how much space it uh, it takes up in the retail outlet. So I think that is wonderful. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. And I, I want to dive into some other things that have been on my mind about you and your journey to Boston Beer Company. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. My guest today is Mr. Paul Weaver. He's head of cannabis at the Boston Beer Company. This has been fun. I want to I really get into Paul and what he's doing about the people in the cannabis industry. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. I'm your host, Vern Davis, and my guest today on Plant Profits is Mr. Paul Weaver, and Paul is the head of cannabis at the Boston Beer Company. Paul, I love your journey. Man, you 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 know, you grew up in Arizona and went to school down in Arizona. You um, got into the beer business, was very successful. I, you showed a lot of progression there. Really got into innovation and creating things in uh, in the industry. And you you got into cannabis, uh, you know, at Canopy, which is which is awesome. Uh, look, this journey. You know, my day job with Protus Global, we're in the talent business, right? And we put people into cannabis. And uh, most of those folks come out of traditional consumer products in some shape, form, or fashion, just like you did. Or you, it's a, it's a, you know, this window, you know, last seven years, there's been enough time now where you can actually, if you want someone with cannabis experience and you're hiring them, you can find that now. That is possible now. And people have cycled in and out of the cannabis industry, right? People, some people, you know, they... They touch the base and they says, I'm out and I am not coming back. You know, it's a very different uh, deal. It's, it's, it's a extremely fast paced. A lot of, a lot of things you got to get done at one time. And some, it's just not for some people. So are you, what are you finding? Are you finding it difficult to get the right fit in your organization? How are you doing that? In terms of uh, sourcing talent to join? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you're right. Now we're in a position of legalized cannabis, especially in Canada, where we've had, you know, five, we're going on year five now of legalized cannabis at the federal level, uh, that you can be seeking talent that has both, right? That has yes. cannabis experience that understands not just like the category, but also like what that means of the pace, mm-hmm. and that kind of a little bit of chaos and a little bit of the frenetic energy that the cannabis industry kind of requires. Right. Plus, ingoing industry, right? So whether that's, you know, I came from uh, beverage alcohol or we bring people from CPG or we come right. bring people from pharmaceutical industries, I do think that we're now in a place of talent sourcing where you can ask for both yes. core industry priority cannabis plus show me that you understand cannabis and that you still like working in cannabis. <laughs> point where a lot yeah. of people do burn out and you have yeah. to, um, you know, acknowledge that that's that's something you have to work with one of the things that we always ask we at least i always ask when i'm interviewing candidates 
is how they stay motivated mm-hmm. to work at cannabis while the industry continues to be so chaotic. And I, I always find the right answer is those personal motivations. You know, you have to kind of believe that you're on some sort of mission, mm-hmm. you some sort of cons. Cannabis has some sort of personal relationship to you so that mm-hmm. it's worth it, so that you feel like all the energy and time spent and the kind of stress that comes with working in cannabis uh, is all worth it. Mm. Yeah, I think that I think that's real important. It, it's got to come from within because it is it is a dynamic. I would say as a kind word, dynamic industry and business. Are you mentoring folks? Or do are you have have you found it to be something you need to do to make sure that when you identify, I got a great talent here. There's going to be some bumps, but they can do it like I did it, and I know they can, and I'm going to help them through it. Uh, you know, occasionally I'll do some you know, yeah. mentoring, uh, but what, one of the things I also am really passionate about is education and okay. uh, doing like guest lectures and kind of participating in the uh, university education network. So I'll okay. do a few guest lectures to kind of give a bit of a hot take, insider take on the state of the cannabis industry. It's not what you kind of read in, uh, in the newspapers. Because I do believe that you know we need our next generation of leaders mm-hmm. to take the mantle after you and I retire and mm-hmm. and keep going. Like we're, the industry's not going anywhere, and I would hope that we're learning from our mistakes. Um, you know, one of the things that I found really funny when I worked at um, my first job in the beer industry was with Molson Coors, which is this yeah. old 18th century brewer up here in Canada. Like the Molson yeah. Brewery has like historical landmarks. And they had an archivist. They're, this person's whole job was to just keep historical records of business decisions made going back like 200 years. That's and amazing. I thought that was such a cool idea that like the beer industry has had centuries, you know, pause of prohibition, but centuries to learn from past precedent and build on those mistakes and, and start to kind of stand on each other's shoulders. And I think keeping that education journey going on for cannabis and learning from our mistakes, because this industry, you know, is something that needs to sustain beyond all of our careers. And I think it's it's you know individual mentoring, but I'm mostly passionate about educating students on mm-hmm. uh, you know, giving up some straight talk before they get into the industry, hopefully uh, leveling up every time. Well, I think that's great. You're starting them you're starting them young. And, <laughs> well uh, all over nineteen. Okay. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean. They haven't done anything really yet. And uh but you're introducing them and and opening their eyes to the industry, and I think that's really that's an important step. And um, I wish more people would do that, and we continue to grow in that aspect. And I, I think that's that's amazing. So when you look in the Canada landscape and the the beverage part of cannabis, who do you identify as your competitor, real competitors? It's a great that's a great question because I think that mm-hmm. cannabis drinks in particular. We're pretty. We're all friends, you know. Like we all grow the denominator together. Like yeah, we we all know each other that you know that are leaders in the cannabis drink space, and we don't really think of ourselves as competitors. I would say, you know, but you are. I mean, oh, in sure. the nature yeah. of the structure of life and business, you you're 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 fierce competitors. But you what you're saying is you're cheering for everybody to be successful because that means the category is growing. But okay. I think you know, in terms of like the the nuance of how I separate our class of products. I do think that the extremely high dose cannabis drinks that are out there, the 100 milligram drinks Mm -hmm. or the drinks that have like the five hour energy kind of vibe. Yeah. One, I think they're 
they're in a tougher competitive battle because they're really trying to fight edibles versus you know social alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. And they don't really do us any favors in terms of introducing new consumers to the category because it's Great point. it's a really it's an intense experience when you have like a hundred milligrams of THC. So I think for me, and it's not even a competitor because I don't think we're competitors, but I think in terms of share of voice and trying to preach the message of cannabis drinks, I do yeah. think that the the higher dose cannabis drink brands confuse the message a little bit for mm-hmm. my audience. And I think you know one of the things that we always seem to champion is separating the two like low dose cannabis drinks is a completely right. different conversation a completely different occasion and a different consumer than you know a full strength 100 milligram liquid edible and i think that's probably the closest answer that you're going to get out of me is separating the two worlds of extra strong mm-hmm. you know, liquid edibles versus sessionable cannabis drinks i think yeah. that's probably the biggest competitor is trying to just separate the two conversations and making sure that we're we're not setting up people for for bad experiences um, of course I, I think that's that's good is is that what you're doing with your messaging oh absolutely everything we're doing you know the teapot brand teapot mm-hmm. like teapot is a five milligram thc beverage right which took a long time to kind of debate right what's the right potency and it's designed for average consumer whether that's new to the category that they are a little bit anxious or someone who's well experienced in their going to probably go smoke a joint outside anyway, yeah. to have a nice, relaxing, great tasting iced tea. And the branding, the communication, the taste is all very inviting. It's all very disarming to destigmatize the category and um, and grow and grow the, the, the base. There are a lot more non-cannabis consumers than there are cannabis consumers. And so the growth of the category, uh, the long-term growth of the category is more consumers, more occasions, and cannabis drinks and teapot in particular really do that. Yeah, and I, I think the five milligrams is is a good way to start, and um, and and get people into really having terrific experiences with the product. I think that's awesome. That that's make some news today. I, I love Paul. If we can make some news, so 2023, right? Yeah. Make some news about about teapot. What's gonna happen? Some news give me, yeah, give me, give, give, give me, give me a forward look. Because uh, twelve months is a long, well, eleven months now It's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's, it's like you know, yeah, we're also like just February first, and so many yeah. of our plans are, are wet cement. But I'll say this: yeah. Pod is going to have um, its biggest year to date. It's going to okay. have more than one flavor. We're going to have three flavors in market. Awesome. Uh, by the summer of this year, and we're going to enter the Quebec market. The Quebec market is okay. low-key one of the biggest cannabis markets in Canada. It's kind of like the Texas of Canada, actually. Okay. So, That's great. And beyond Ontario into Quebec have three flavors to expand beyond good day and good evening. Okay. I, I think it's going to allow us to really uh, establish ourselves as not just the best tasting cannabis drink, but one of the best performing cannabis drinks in Canada as well. So I think you can- love see- it. A lot of I think that's great. And a lot more uh, flavor variety as well. That's great news. Now, let's talk about something really cool that you guys uh, talk about the Peace Collective, the oh, Partners of Canada. Well, so Peace Collective is one of Canada's coolest clothing companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're also based in Toronto and we're friends with them. And we were thinking about something we might want to do to collaborate yeah. uh, for a social cause. And there's a lot of social causes in cannabis that you, people choose to focus on. Criminal justice reform is the big umbrella. And in Canada, the one that we really want to focus on 
is uh, records pardoning. So in the U.S., you have kind of weird relationships with pardoning. You had the Biden federal yeah. pardons, and you had kind of state level governor yes. pardons. None of the there were no mass pardons in Canada uh, when okay. they legalized cannabis. Instead, it's a very onerous and costly paperwork process to okay. apply for a paperwork, and it's it's just administrative. There's a group that we love called Pardons Canada, and they're a nonprofit mm-hmm. that facilitates records pardoning. You know, you go to them with a cannabis conviction, and they will help organize and submit the paperwork for you to uh, to clear your record and okay. make you make you legal in Canada. Um, so, with Peace Collective, we created a clothing collaboration, and all the proceeds from that clothing collaboration are going to Pardons Canada to help subsidize the cost of these records. The the campaign narrative is stop the stigma, and it's got a really cool. You know, basic message, very big pot leaves that stop the stigma. I sent one to, to my mother in Arizona. And all is about just kind of stopping the stigma of cannabis, erasing your criminal record, and, uh, and moving on with your life. You know, like cannabis is legal in Canada, but somehow your criminal record didn't reflect that. I think that's a cause that we can all agree with. So I'm really mm-hmm. proud of what we did with Peace Collective. You can buy it on our store at store.drinkteapot.com. And yeah, buy a sweatshirt, buy a, buy a t-shirt, mm-hmm. buy a tote. And it's all for a good cause. That's a beautiful thing. That's great. I'm glad we had a chance to allow you to talk about that. And uh, you guys are well-rounded, doing an amazing job. I love the packaging. I love the product. You got to get to the Canada bird to try it. You know, like yeah. <laughs> you got a great logo, but the taste is even better. Well, I do get to Canada. Obviously, I get to Toronto because a lot of the industry is there. Okay, and, great. Let uh, me know. No, I've definitely. We will definitely do that. And I really appreciate you sharing all of this uh, about Teapot and what you guys are doing at Boston Beer and how you're doing it and why you're doing it at Boston Beer. I really appreciate your your appearance here on Plant Profits. And so, uh, and I'm sure, and I'm inviting you openly, please come back and any, hey, look, you're going to have three flavors. You're going to be in the Quebec, you know, so we're going to have opportunity to talk about how that goes later down in the future. So, Paul, thank you uh, very much. My guest today on Plant Profits, Paul Weaver, head of cannabis at the Boston Beer Company. And I want to thank him for joining us. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And I want all of you to go to wherever you get your podcast, anywhere you get podcasts, you can find Plant Profits. Uh, you can go to CannabisRadio.com, Apple, Spotify, Hard, Amazon, anywhere you get it. Go find Plant Profits. We appreciate that. Give us a five-star rating. And you can follow my company, Protus Global, through our social networks, including LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere on social media is Protus Global. And that's P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. And when you get there, really look at how we're building companies and how we're changing people's lives. That's really important. And so... I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. Until next time, cheers.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.